Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 210. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. And I'm Awesome Rouse. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, I play Devil May Cry 5 and Brett apes out. He gets a little angry and he has to, uh, you know, just a little ape, a little ape it out. That's a little game on the Switch. And for our gaming news, we talk about PS4 getting an update for iOS Remote Play. And then... EA pulls out from E3. Dun, dun, dun. I guess that doesn't really matter to EA. And for our discussion topic, we talk about the changing face of Battle Royale post-Apex Legends. It has come Which out. Which is also EA. It is also EA, I know. <laughs> but really, it's just Respawn. And uh, it has changed the way we look at Battle Royales, so we're going to talk about that. And the creator of Dark Souls is thinking of something very interesting. So, all that and more here on the Inner Gamer Podcast. And cue that music, Brett. Cue it here. It is March 12, 2019. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to donate to make the show better, and we'll give you some lovely goodies along the way. For as little as $5, you can help support the show so we can keep bringing you the highest quality content each and every week. You can do all of that by going to theinnergamer.net slash donate or clicking that donate button on the homepage. Also, if you're in the DFW area, on March 21st, we are going to have an event at Hop Fusion Brewery in Dallas, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas specifically. We are teaming up with the Friend and Foe Board Game Cafe that's not open yet, but will be open up here in the future. And uh, we're going to do a board game slash video game night. So come on out, play some video games, play some board games. There's going to be a brand new beer that's going to be released. It's like a, I think it's called a banana pudding ale Martin House. I'm typing this as I read it. Yeah, basically... Uh, like a, a type of beer that's like a banana pudding beer thing and it's going to be a Hop Fusion and Martin House collaboration so that'll be released that night. Brett likes Martin House. All these different things that are going to be there. So you definitely don't want to miss that. It's going to be a blast of things and why wouldn't you want to come out like clearly? So you better be there or be square or be Nana Pudding. That's what it's called. It's a collaboration jefe. I got it listed. There's going to be literally, there's 460 people interested in this event. So it's going to be huge. Wow. Huge. That's like as big as our smash event. Basically that's interesting. The event for banana put it and not our thing. That's okay. Still works great. So in addition to that, I would like to mention that, uh, we have video games to talk about. Austin, I'm going to let you kick off. You're going to let me playing. kick off? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. You're the best. I mean, I can kick off. No, I'm just kidding. You can kick <laughs> off. You have a bigger game to talk about. Um, no, so you've not... been playing all the new games lately. I've been trying to play. What was the last game you played that you talked about last week that was like, uh, oh, I didn't know you played that? Uh, what did I play? I don't remember. Oh, ex- Metro Exodus. Yeah, Metro. Well, yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that wasn't last week. That was before that. Well, I was, yeah, you played Metro Exodus. That was actually the surprise one, though. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, because then I talked about Anthem last week, and then we talked about more. This was a surprise Apex. too, because I uh, mean, Division Two is what we talked about last week. And yes. Before that was Metro Exodus. And surprise. Then, yeah. so, so now, what have you been playing? I've been p- playing Devil May Cry Five. Devil May Cry. Devil 5. May Cry. So I played. I believe it was the last one. I'm not a huge, well, I'm not, not going to say I'm not a huge fan. I haven't really kept up with the Devil May Cry video games. 
as far as I know, there's a pretty extensive lore background and a plethora of games that have come out since or before this one. So diving into it, I was kind of familiar to what is going on, but not really. So I'm assuming this is picking up somewhere after the last game. Um, and you start out as a new character. I forget his name. <laughs> uh, we'll get into the story here in just a second. Wow. I know. I know. Uh, I do remember the side character that you get to play as. You get to actually switch out between two characters. You play as Dante or Nero. Okay, Nero. But Dante's the other guy. The yes, Dante is the original. The new but, character's name V. Yes. I've been playing a lot of V. V is fun. Um, so you have these two characters. You can switch in and out as the story progresses. And uh, basically, it is a combo-based game. So you go in there. You have a bunch of moves you can do. You can add moves as you uh, progress through the game by pay, paying um, points, which is marked in blood. And you just get all these combos that you get and moves that you acquire and go to town on a bunch of enemies. So in hot, in just looking at it, service level, it actually looks pretty fun. I've always been kind of a... Well, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into these like combo-based games, and I find it fun because you just go in there, create a bunch of action, do a bunch of cool shit, and get out of there, right? What's not to like, really? Right. And so uh, as you start diving into the story, very anime-esque, grand, like very grandiose things are happening. Like this demon has come. Dante's in there with the new guy, Nero, which as far as I know, he's new. I don't ever remember him. Again, I don't keep up with these games. And uh, shit goes wrong. And it's up to you to take back the city that's been taken over by demons and try to save Dante and his friends. So you get in there, and again, there's a lot of like cutscene stuff, which has been an issue with me. As far as, as you know, Brett, I've been a huge fan of God of War. For those who've been listening since God of War, you know I love God of War. And yes. the way that that game progresses through pacing and storytelling, fantastic. And this one has the same issue as Kingdom Hearts. And it also has the same issue as a lot of these JRPGs. Oh, with like the cutscene. So and- there's a cutscene, there's a load screen, there's another cutscene, there's another load screen, and then you go in the battle, and the battle doesn't even last that long. You get through like a, a level in like five minutes. And then you go to a cutscene, or you go to a load screen that goes into a cutscene, which that is only like 30 seconds. And then you go into a another load screen, which goes into another cutscene that goes into a load screen that goes you into customization, which you exit out of that. It goes in the load screen. It goes back to like a menu that's like, do you want to start this mission or do you want to customize or go to the main menu? Select the mission, goes to load screen, back to a cutscene, back to load screen, and then you get to play the level. And it is literally infuriating i had to start drinking last night because i was going insane <clears throat> and this is the main issue that i guess this is just how it is is this how games always have been like it, usually there's like some pretty nice flow as far as i know is it because i played too, too much pc now brett that like low time no is ridiculous or like the cut and it's very minimal whatever but i think a lot of the games too that we've been playing have been I mean, you have like a very, they're either very linear paths that you take where there isn't much break. Like Wolfenstein, for example, is one that comes to mind where it's like you start a level and you basically run that level from start to finish and then get through the whole entire thing. And at the very end, you have a loading screen. 
But in these games, like it seems like there's a lot of in between like cutscenes that are pre-rendered maybe or something. Yeah, they're all pre-rendered for sure. Yeah, so you all have a lot of that that could be kind of an issue where that will break it up and then results in loading screens. I think that's just the Japanese engineering too of games because I was playing, um, not to get like crazy off topic, but I played a little bit of you know, that game, Damon Machina or whatever mm-hmm. that was announced yeah. at Game Awards. Right. Um, I think it was Game Awards. Uh, I played the prototype mission of that or whatever on the Switch and that had the same problem where like they introduced to me like a cutscene for a second and then the cutscene happens for like maybe 20 seconds and then it goes in a loading screen to then go into another cutscene. I'm like, why was there a loading screen there? That should all have just been one seamless transition. But it was just awkward. I guess maybe strange. American games have a lot of open world now. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff's actually taking into account for you're going to have to travel from one place to another. So instead of doing a cutscene, let's just do it on the way there type thing. Um, which that kind of makes sense now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, that, that, that just really, really annoys me because it stops the flow of a game. There's some cool stuff in between, you know, the load screens and the menus and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just, it really drags along. And for someone like a casual gamer, you don't have a lot of time. You come home, you just want to jump into a game. It might not bother some people, but I feel like if you're trying to get in the most amount of time, play time, Another game might be your best bet. Now, this game was actually made on the RE engine, so it looks freaking phenomenal in right. the uh, mocap. For those that don't animation. know, that's a Resident Evil yes, engine. Yes, it is. For the mocap and stuff, great. looks freaking great. Like, it is superb. Some of the best I've seen, actually. Yeah. So, um, on a spec standpoint, yeah. It's it's a great-looking game. Plays great. Fluid motion. Uh Characters are okay. I mean, it's typical Japanese anime-esque type of style and, and, you know, the way they base their people off of and obviously nudity. And then you have your the woman's sidekick who is always a mechanic apparently and is like building you stuff and she's wearing like skimpy clothing yeah. as normal Japanese anime and or video games usually have, something like that. So overall, I mean, I guess I gave it a dig if I wanted to put something on it i guess it's more of a delay honestly uh it's something that i would pick up after it goes on sale really um it's okay it's okay i don't know how much more i'll play of it when i'm playing v so they actually uh and i think in a lot of these combo based games you get ratings for the combos you get and the skills that like how cool and how many points you rack up over time so you can get a D, a C, a B, an A, and then an S, and then you get a double S or a triple S, which is actually pretty cool. And I found it way more easy getting a triple S on V, who he is a dark magic user. Okay. And uh, that might not be the correct term for his stuff, but I mean, basically it's dark magic. And he can summon two animals. One is a hawk type creature. Uh, actually, they're demons. And then the other one is a panther-like demon. And you use them to actually attack your foes. And so uh, the <clears throat> the hawk rains down electricity onto the ground, kind of like lightning. And then the panther actually uses uh, slashing attacks to do physical damage. And so you can use them to do a lot of cool things. And then everyone has a special. So V special is to rain down this... I guess it's a black 
substance that turns into like a gigantic golem thing that does a lot of damage, yeah. which is pretty cool. Or you can, and that's all within a three bars that you charge over time by attacking. And you can also use those three bars to also uh, boost your your damage to your your demon friends. Um, and I think the main thing that's different with this one with Neo or Nero is that he now has, instead of just using the sword and the gun, which you still have in this game, you have this mechanical arm that your mechanic makes you, and there's different types of them, so they do different types of damage. Like your first one starts off, lets out a kind of an explosion of electricity directly in front of you, so that does some damage to people. And then uh, as you progress, one of them turns into a rocket, another one has a drill, and then so forth and so on. And you just you have all these things which just kind of like ammo because they break over time and then you can pick some up along the way. And, um, yeah. There's some cool stuff in here, but overall, I think with the timing and the pacing, it's just not my favorite game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be curious to know, so I was I was reading over as you were going through all that stuff. Uh-huh. I've been reading uh, through a little what... bit of the... Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, this is very, very yeah, yeah. relevant to what's yeah, happening go, here. Go ahead, go ahead. So uh, they have... So there was one Devil May Cry game that was kind of like a reboot of Devil May Cry that Ninja Theory made. And everything else has been made by Capcom and their team to work on the Devil May Cry series. So uh, this one that you're playing is the one that's been the same storyline from the beginning. But whenever they they brought out the Devil May Cry, what was called DMC Devil May Cry, that was Ninja Theory's like reimagining of it. So it's set in an alternate universe from the actual game. Which I think is really interesting, and they like reinvented Dante. So it's like mm. they recreated what his character would look like and how he would per, how his persona was set up, and uh, yeah. So this is the first game that they have going back to the original series. So they had Devil May Cry DMC, uh, Devil May Cry Four came out in two thousand eight, and then they brought out in two thousand thirteen a reimagining of it, and now with Devil May Cry Five, they're going back to that story that they left off with in 2008 so it's been 11 years since we've had this storyline like Ow. come out wow okay it's pretty interesting so yeah again um, yeah i don't keep up with this stuff so i'm glad he looked it up it's it's not one of my like favorite stories ever but i mean i get the appeal and i definitely get why people like it the gameplay is cool though right yeah it's yeah i know awesome. the gameplay is yeah. great um uh, i'm not a combo guy either so that's another issue it's like yeah. hard getting these combos together when when you play v you're more of just like spamming stuff together. So it's a little easier getting those like higher rankings. So, yeah. And the last one, and as you go up in, in, in the ranks, like they have different names for them. So one's like, if you get a B, it's a badass. And if you get like a triple S, it's like sexy, sick, something else. I forgot what it's called. So, like, there's, there's a lot of humor in this as well, you know. And the main characters are kind of happy-go-lucky, why, why the, the caster is actually more of a monotone, less energy-type guy, which I think is typical for kind of anime-based characters. So, yep. There you go. Very cool. I think I'm five hours in, three hours in. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere nice. around there. More than I get in games. So I know. That's good. I, know. <laughs> I tried to cram in as much as I could yesterday just to see what's up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I have a game to talk about that I started playing yesterday. And I heard about this on a podcast, and I was like, I'm going to pick it up. And try oh, it you played this game. Yeah. Ape Out is a game that is created by, published by Devolver Digital. 
and uh, Gabe Cazillo and a couple other people worked on it. And basically, it's a very stylistic game. Like, it's just all silhouette. Like, every shape is made of color, and it's different colors, and that's the the thing. And there's this weird animation, like, texture thing overlaid on top of it that kind of looks like... uh, It's just like a kind of pop art-ish looking effect over top of it. But it reminds me of the kind of art style that you would see in, like, one of those, like, lock, stock, and loading barrel or whatever it's called, like... Those types of films, like that would be what the title sequence would look like. I don't know how to describe that any other way other than that's what it looks like. Basically, you're an ape. You're locked up. You see to there's no instruction other than on the screen. It's a top-down view, and you're looking at your ape character inside of a cell, and your buddies are in different cells next to you, and they're all dead, and you're like, you're just pissed off. So it says press ZR on the switch to break out. And you press it, and all of a sudden you go straight up to the people that are working on you, the scientists. You hit them. They go flying against a wall. Blood splatters <laughs> on the floor. And it's just like there's all these like like very neutral-looking colors. You're a monster. You're a monkey. You're an ape. <laughs> You're aping out, man. Aping out. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Huh? Ape yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the colors are cool because every color, like there's no red in there. Your character's orange. You can see yourself really well. All the enemies are like like white, and then they have blue accents to them, and then the ground That's is like racist, a very bro. dark color. Um, so everything contrasts really nicely. And uh, so you go up there, and after you kill a bunch of guys, there's just like red blood splatters all over this like black and gray space. So it looks just awful and crazy. And eventually, it's procedurally generated. So every level is like slightly different as you progress through. Right. And it's just a matter of just like outsmarting your opponents as you're traveling through. And you can, uh, you have the initial attack first, and then you unlock the ability to be able to grab enemies. Then you can grab the enemies and use them as a body shield to then push them against other people and just keep running through. And the goal is to literally just keep on playing until you die. Once you die, you go back to the end of that level and you try it again and you keep going and killing people and go crazy. And it's got jazz music that's going on in the background that's playing as well. That's very complimentary to what's happening. So you have this like kind of cool, fast paced kind of jazz that's going as you're going around killing a bunch of bad guys as a monkey. So if you're like really pissed off and you just want to like rage out one day and you're like, uh, I am pissed at the world, pull this game out. And you can just kill a bunch of things <laughs> and then you feel be- better about yourself. Honestly, and you can sit there and do it for like five minutes and just be like, okay, I feel good. I now. mean, what are games for if you can't just, just zone out and pretend you're killing people? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> then you want to do it in real life. Exactly. Um, exactly. I think what the words you're looking for, for like what this looks like is more of a like simplistic shapes with like grungy colors in the way that they're like they're applied to a palette. Um, that's I not think a word. That's a be series of phrases. Simplistic art with grungy colors. Yeah, that's a phrase. It's a phrase. Yeah, I don't know. If there's like an art style. Sim- I, I think I think it's like simplistic it's shapes. Time. Yeah, Brad, I'm trying to make a point. Yeah, it's minimalist. <laughs> there it is, minimalistic. Yes, it's minimalist, but the the grunge is added onto it to add. Yeah. add I mean, the texture. It's kind of like when you have like the. You know, whenever you add a texture to make film look old and you have that like, you know, f- filmic look to the overlay. Right, right. It's kind of like that, but it's it's really like a pop art kind of style. Um, almost yes. like it's painted. Yes. Like you're painting the blood splatters all right. over the canvas. And I enjoy that. People. Like to actually make that look like that in a game is pretty yeah. impressive, I think. Because like, like, how do you plan for that? I mean, there has to be some kind of like, I don't want to say AI, but 
algorithm for it and to create that and make it look good at every turn it's pretty impressive like personally what i would do is i would just like go crazy take a screenshot and then get that printed as an art print and sell it to people oh yeah you totally do that and there just be go. like and then people are like what is this you're like well really i was an ape that was killing people but you can say what it is like you can make it make, <laughs> like, make oh, up your own meaning i get it. it now my frustration has now become physical yeah so Pretty cool game. Check it out. It's like four. It's fifteen dollars on the Switch store. It's also on Steam, and uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. Ape out, Devolver Digital, kicking, kicking butt, kicking the butt. So with that, that's gonna wrap it up for the games we played this week. If you want to play games with us each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. Check out the link in the show notes, or you can go to theinnergamer.net/slash two one zero and see the link right there on that page. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell a friend. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our video game news. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. And first up, PlayStation 4 owners rejoice. The time has come where you can almost have just shy of a Nintendo Switch. It's basically <laughs> a Nintendo Wii U at this point in time where you can now have remote play on your iOS device. Oh. Android owners, I'm sorry oh. it's not there yet. Oh. But if you have iOS, you can now do what Sony has had oh. for a little while with their phones. You can download the remote play app. The iPhone. On your iPhone and then connect it. And as long as you're in the same network and your PS4 is either turned on or in sleep mode, you can play your games remotely from your phone with on-screen controls. It's it here. It's real. You can play Red Dead Redemption 2 from the toilets. It's just as useless as the NVIDIA Shield. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's interesting. Like, I would maybe do, like, I'm playing a game, and I'm like, you know, Kingdom Hearts in it up. I'm like, man, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll, like, take my phone. Yeah, but how long? Does, okay, I'm curious to know how long it takes to boot up and get going. Like two seconds. I actually have no idea. I haven't tried exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just not realistic unless you know that you are, you're in like a really long house or tall house or whatever and you have to go to bed, but you don't want to like, you can't be in the living room. Or if someone's in the living room and you need to play your like game. About, yeah, like girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, like whoever sees on TV, be like, hey. I'm watching TV. You can't play your video game. Well, screw you. Well, what if I'm they're using my iPad? What if they're using the PlayStation to watch Netflix? Well, nobody does that. That's dumb. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm just That's curious. That's what you like, have an Apple TV for. Right. Smart I, know, TV. I completely understand. You're or right. Or a Chromecast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Or a Google, I mean, check, Google Cast. I can see reasons to have this and use it for sure. But do we really need it right now? I don't think so. I mean, it's already. The PlayStation is already a home console, right? So it's supposed to be stationary in one location that hopefully is freed up for you to play unless you live with, you know, a bunch of brothers or sisters or big family or whatever. You know, it's understandable how you, why this is beneficial for some people. I just don't think it's necessary. Now, down the line, will it work out? I mean, if we can get the uh, Xbox cloud system going, then yeah, it might be pretty cool. It's a cool stepping stone, but I agree. I don't think it's gonna be used a whole lot. Like people are gonna be like excited that it exists, and they might use it like once or twice, and they're gonna be like, they're just gonna forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a novelty I'm just not, feature. If I can play on my PlayStation Four, I want to play on my PlayStation Four, and if I can't play on my PlayStation Four, I want to play on my Nintendo Switch. Right. Exactly. Or exactly. my PC. But like, if I'm yeah. like doing something that needs remote, whatever, 
probably what's going to happen. But not everybody has a Switch. So if you're a PS4 owner and you just want to like do some portable stuff or just like play like a simple platformer on your phone while you're like, again, going to the bathroom. Right. I feel like this is this should be rebranded as not remote play, but toilet play. <laughs> <laughs> just have like a 30 second promo of just toilet people. <laughs> I mean, I understand if this is the only console you have and you want to lay in bed and play games and you don't want to move your PlayStation or whatever. I mean, that works. That's it's what the PlayStation TV's for, the little device you plug Exa- in your TV. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. Well, no, I guess that's if you don't have a TV in your room and you want to still play. Okay, right, right. I mean, but, yes, yeah. there, there's stipulations and stuff, which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, anyway, so that's available. So if you're a PS4 owner and you've been wanting to play your games on your phone, but you haven't been able to. Now you can play your games on your phone and carry them with you wherever you are. In so, your house. <laughs> in your house, yes. <laughs> All right, next. Speaking of Nintendo, the Switch finally is bringing virtual reality to the headset. You can now play virtual reality on the Nintendo Switch. This is so exciting. What? I cannot wait to talk about how awesome this is. You can now literally connect virtual reality, the best quality graphics using cardboard. Labo kit is here, and the next Labo kit is going to be a cardboard virtual reality headset. It is uh, going to come out on April 12th, and it's going to have mini games as well as an additional physical cardboard to make the VR headset. It's going to encourage passing around ToyCon creations amongst a group of people so everyone in the room can easily join in on the fun. They say that this will help, quote, encourage this social gameplay. Players simply slip the Nintendo Switch console into the ToyCon VR goggles and hold it up to their eyes to explore numerous games and experiences no head strap needed. So this is definitely going to be something you're not going to like walk around with your like you're going to have to hold it. So it's like you're basically peering in through like a set of binoculars. It's not going to strap on your head. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. But it's 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 an interesting like cheap concept to get you into VR a little bit. I mean, without I see, having VR. I mean, I see what they're going for. Like, everything is something you hold your head. There's a gun you hold your head. There's a camera you hold your head. I get it. Like, interesting idea. I think kids will like it. I mean, it's a good step for VR. It's definitely. It's bringing it to home. Yes. So where I think it should hopefully take off with. I think if kids can really take off with it, they can grow up with it. They can understand that. They'll grow into people who love VR and want to see it grow as much as we do right now. To, and then hopefully they can build something in the near future that will make it more widespread. I like is that, is that you, too much. Well, I think it's interesting that you were like, yeah, you can hold a, you know, a, there's a wind pedal, there's a camera, a bird, and then there's a gun you can hold up to your head. <laughs> the phrasing is just so bad. <laughs> I, mean, I, you know, I was talking saying. about the future here, Brent. And you're going back to this <laughs> menial comment about holding a gun to my head. Oh, that's uh, what you're literally doing. I mean, it is. Same. It is. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you think that's a good track for the future of VR? No. I mean, it needs to be brought home in a way that is easily digestible. And I think for kids and probably teenagers, the Labo is a good first step into VR. And then, because I don't see VR progressing the way it should be right now. Just generally, I haven't been keeping up with it as much as I used to. And we need a way to bring it in. I think Nintendo is a great way to start. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I mean, they had the Google Cardboard for a little bit. That was like kind of a thing for a while, but then it didn't really become a thing. But honestly, I think this is a cool... I mean, this is probably going to be 100 bucks or something like that. No, $80. So the starter set plus the blaster kit goes for 40 um, And then you can get some uh, VR kit expansions for $20 each. Right. But... 
I think it's an interesting idea and it'll probably sell a little bit, but it's just, there's some weird stuff in here, but the, you're going to get this for the goggles. That's the big thing you're going to buy it for. So we'll see. Could be a step in the right direction. Right. And, uh, right. it's just another way that they can enhance their product a little bit more and, uh, move on with that. I'm curious how much the sales for the Nintendo Lava have been over the last year. Um, yeah, kind of interested too actually yearly and sales well while you're looking that up i'm going to talk about should the next article which is e3 well how about we just go straight to this after this ad and five four three two one okay this is literally an ad to look at an article this is ridiculous i hate variety i know okay so only about one million nintendo lavo sets or kits sold last year and this was january 31st of this year interesting so already sold more than 12 million copies that's oh that's super smash Smash. oh yeah yeah i mean this is nintendo labo isn't like something it's very new so it's gonna have to grow some legs you know and you can grow legs if you have the robot (laughs) Ah. i don't know it's just kind of outlandish honestly i mean especially for the whole robot thing the robot thing apparently is like the worst one i bet I bet. It, I mean, it's an interesting. It's an interesting idea, but overall, I don't. I just don't. It just seems stupid. Yeah. You have these cords or like string that you use to move around and create moves, and I mean, ingenuity wise, if someone just made this, like that's cool. But this is actual product to sell, and it just seems kind of. It's janky. probably a good workout. It's like oh, those, sure. you know, like the tension bands and stuff right. that people use. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Except you'll just rip it out of the cardboard box that you have on your back. Likely, likely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there right. we go. Enough is. about that. Let's move on to the next, next story. Uh, E3 is coming up. It's coming up in June. And uh, we already know that PlayStation is pulled out of E3 and they will not be doing a press conference there because they're going to do something else. What that is, we don't know. They might come back with PSX. They might, I don't know. They're going to do something. So then it just came out last week that EA is going to be still doing EA play around E3. That's going to be there right outside of it. And they plan to do less talk and more play by not holding a press conference this year. So that is now two major companies that will no longer be doing their normal press conference that they typically do. And it's funny because a lot of people last year were saying that you know they didn't like EA's press conference because it didn't have enough good stuff in it or good reveals or whatever. But then somebody else was saying, well, no, these are just for investors. So my question is, what are they doing for investors? Because if that was what that purpose was, and that argument is basically null and void because now they're not doing it. So clearly it's not for investors because, I mean, this isn't a earnings call. So I think when people were using that as a reason for why these press conferences were built the way they were was kind of not really true. I mean, yeah, they're reaching out to the press and stuff like that. But like usually the earnings call is where they announce things that are relevant to the investment parties. Um, and these press conferences are more for the consumer fan base and press to have shit to And I think it should be. I mean, it is a great time of the year to generate hype for your product or products. You know, like everyone, every gamer looks forward to E3. And yes, I understand they're trying to talk to investors too. But little did you know, they're just trying to save some money, Brett. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're doing something. Well, we that's got, probably we got roll back some stuff here. We're not doing so good right now. I mean, it's probably good to do it this way. I mean, they're they're 
phrasing behind why they're doing this is that instead of doing the EA press conference, they're going to do multiple live streams. That'll be the first couple days of the oh. EA Play event. So Nintendo, where you can stuff, tune in and, and watch and see people, uh, see the developers, the teams giving uh, gameplay and insights around the games that they're making. So we are supposed to, I think at the end of this year or in April, we're going to be hearing first news of Star Wars The Fallen Order. Uh, Respawn's going to announce what that is and showcase the first video content. Yes, thank um, you. So I would guess this Excited. is kind of a lead-in to then they're probably going to do a deep dive of the Star Wars game at EA Play for these live streams and stuff like that. So it could be really interesting. It could be like, you know, when, like, for example, Game Informer, when they go out and do a cover story, they have a month worth of content where they do, like, deep dives into what a game is. So in this case, EA is basically doing that for themselves. And we'll have a lot of hands-on opportunities for fans to play the game. It's going to be a free event. And then there's going to be content creators out there streaming live from their creator's cave in the Hollywood Palladium, providing gameplay content to our players viewing online. So you can get behind the scenes with our games via exclusive gameplay reveals, developer talks, and breaking news. So they're still basically doing a press conference, but it's not going to be as structured as it was before. It's going to be spread out over a course of several days um, and not literally attached to E3. It's going to be their own thing. So I don't know. I'm okay with where, it. Where is this Hollywood Palladium? Is that near the convention center? I think it is. Um, keep keep talking. Okay. Give me your, well, your thoughts my, my on thing that, is, and I'll like, look up the play. It would be cool if, even though everyone's doing their own thing, if they were all in the general area, which they might be as soon as Brett looks it up, because it'd be nice to like jump around and everyone's doing their own thing, and it's not just so packed like it is at E3, at least when we went, and um, it was just a madhouse twenty four seven there. Everyone's trying it to jump. It's not there. It's actually in Hollywood. Oh, I see. Literally in Hollywood. I see. I see. Well, it's a four thousand person concert venue. Interesting. See, and I maybe just, EA Play is going to be there this time. So, I, I mean, that's fine and all. I mean, do what you need to do. But I think having a central location for everybody is just ideal, regardless if you want to do it with them or not. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like a place where. I'm not saying that they have to come together, but it's nice to know that like on in this, well, at least in the same general time still, like people are going to be talking about games and stuff, but it's like, if we want to play games and people want to come out, you know, like when we were, went to E3, we're jumping around to all the different booths and stuff. And, you know, we'd go to Ubisoft, then we'd go try to get to EA or Microsoft and play some of their games. And, you know, some days are just super packed. You don't want to go there right like you're just like okay let's come back tomorrow in the morning or something and then for them being split up like this it's going to kind of suck because i mean if you're a news station it doesn't really matter or like a news alley you just send someone out there and they're there for three days or whatever and it's like for us smaller guys it'd be nice for them to be in a general area where we can try to hit up everything and see what's coming out well keep in mind too this is two days before e3 starts okay so well, see then that too. I yeah. mean that that helps for sure. Yeah. So that's but they the they've time, always done it the weekend before e, EA or E three begins. I gotcha. And then they uh, so this will be done I think on Sunday. So it's Saturday and Sunday I believe. And then after that is when, uh, hang on a minute. I'm pulling up the calendar right now. Thank you. All right. Oh no, yeah. that's that so weekend. it's gonna be Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. When it's happening, and then E three starts the 11th, 12th, and 13th. So there's gonna be a day break 
on the 10th, which is when all the other press conferences are probably going to happen. Yeah. And then they jump into it. So I think this is good. This is like a decent okay. kickoff for it. Yeah. But again, no, it's, yeah, I understand. It's EA. How much, how much do you want to give them? You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, anyway, conversation later on is going to reveal that it's a love, hate relationship with EA. There's like a love hate there. You know, they, they do got some shitty products, things. They, they got some good things. They're doing there's different things. <laughs> they just need to shut their mouths things. and just make games. Things, yes. Or yes. And publish games. If they stop talking and like stop putting in microtransactions, they'd be people would love them. They'd be like, EA is awesome. But instead they like open their mouths and they say stupid shit. Like, don't play our game if you don't like this thing. So I'm curious to know where we'd be right now if those words were never uttered at the battlefield. I know. Event. And I, I think I think we'd have a different everything would have gone a lot differently. But it's funny to see how those ramifications kind of create this wave ripple effect. Right. I mean, I think everything is just building upon everything else. As it always is. Build anyway. upon build. All right. Last story we have for our new segment. Uh, there's a report out that Richard Garfield, who is the guy that is from Magic the Gathering fame, um, he was brought on to Valve to help manufacture and develop this new artifact game, which is the first valve game released in forever and uh they released artifact and it came out with decent reviews but people were like it's challenging it's hard and there's some questionable background about the whole kind of pay to win system that was in there where you bought card packs to get better and stuff they didn't have microtransactions but it was like you're buying the game for a small price and then buying card packs well, the other day, Valve announced layoffs within the company of about 13 people. And then rumors went around as to what these layoffs were related to and that it may have involved the Artifact team and uh, they took aim at the top and have gone down. So the thought is that uh, Richard or yeah, Richard Garfield is no longer with Valve anymore and that they have drastically trimmed down the team of Artifact um, because it's not doing well. So they say that on Game Informer, Artifact has failed to catch on like they thought it would, rarely if ever cracking the top 100 uh, concurrent player counts on Steam. <laughs> At the moment, the game has 74 viewers on Twitch in comparison to Hearthstone's 18,000 or Apex Legends' 94,000. Oh, my yes. gosh. So the thought is that they might be cutting their losses. And then Garfield at one point told Artabuff, this website, he said, quote, we weren't surprised by the layoff considering how rocky the launch was. The team was enthusiastic about the game and were confident that they had a good product, but it became clear it wasn't going to be easy to get the game to where we wanted it. So that is that. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, it just like from the get go, everyone's excited. They're making a new game. It's going to be something cool, like a traditional Steam game. At least all the people who've grown up with Steam were like, okay, this is we're going to get something either really cool and new or, you know, a remake or the next iteration of something awesome. And then they'll come up with this. And it just seems like a money grabbing scheme to me. It, yeah, it's it's a weird. It was a weird call on Valve because Valve it's getting back in the weird. game world. We've seen where Steam's been at this whole time. They don't want to waste waste the money to make a good product because it takes time and effort and apparently Gabe Newell just doesn't want to do, deal with that shit. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they've never been a company to like put out a shitty game for the sake of making money off of it. Like right. They've never put out a bad product up until now where this game just... They usually put out games that are well developed and this game is not a bad game per se. It's just, you know, they've always been known as the people that they don't 
follow behind the footsteps of other people. They are the ones that are making the footsteps for other people in a lot of ways. It's like Half-Life, yes, it was a shooter, but it was a shooter that had a story that people could latch onto before there was ever really much of that in existence. This is before Halo was ever a thing, before Call of Duty ever came out. Like They made Half-Life 1 back in like the, early, the late 90s. So like that was back when like story attached to a shooter was like mostly non-existent and then left for dead was like a four player cooperative experience that you didn't have a whole lot of that stuff back then i mean you were doing like online shooter stuff but this was like let's bring it down and then they had like a whole bunch of there's like all these different things and then properties that they acquired like they bought portal off of this group of people that was like students and that was a great idea because that was a blast to play as like a single player game. And then Team Fortress 2 was also based off of a mod. So they identified properties that were doing really well and then nurtured them to make them better. In this case, they were like, let's do a homebrew card game, which there's a billion already super successful card games out there. Why try to enter into that space when you have such a such a pedigree of not doing that thing? Because, I mean... I agree with you, but that's old Steam. This is new Steam or this new is Valve. Valve. Yeah. So but, but, everything yeah. has changed since then. I mean, this is why they don't come out with threes. This is why Half Life Three hasn't been made. This is why it's never going to be made because they shift their focus on we can make a shit ton of money without doing anything, and they want to keep doing that. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But it's just sad to see these properties not being taken anywhere when they have they've had such a huge fan base to grow and then they come up with this game which is a new ip which has to grow a new fan base which as we see with these other card games uh, people suck money into it and that's what it seems like to me is like they just want to put something out there that people will just suck money (laughs) into but but i don't i don't agree with that though because this doesn't seem like a money-making scheme there isn't anything in here that's gonna make them a shit ton of money like pushing out these card packs that are just cosmetic items, you know, like Fortnite is where like every week they're just releasing new stuff. It's cosmetic items that are just going to get you in this case, there's a point where you collect all the cards in the game and then you're done and there's no more money to be made off of that. And the game itself is 20 bucks to buy. So it's not like it's an expensive game to purchase. So it's not like they're at the surface. I mean, they're they're selling you the game outright. There's no microtransactions. You buy the cards as they exist. They bring out new card packs, yes, but it's not something where they're locking you into this scheme of like let's buy, 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 buy over and over again, like Fortnite and Overwatch and all these games do, where you're just buying useless stuff. Like at least these things, these are cards that make your game better and improve it. And yeah, so like I don't see it as they were trying to like make a bunch of money off of it. I just think they just made a bad business model situation. And they like threw people off by making it to where like these cards were more advanced for you that you paid for. Stuff like that. Like that that I think that threw people off and they didn't quite get it. But why 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 make this game? Who who wanted this game? I think as far as I it, know, no one asked for this game. Yeah, I was like, think, as I hear what the community say, it's like right. who, no one asked for this. Yeah, why do we have this? We've been asking for Half Life Three for a long time, even Left for Dead. I mean, that's not the biggest thing to ask for, but it's like, where are all these other properties that you're just sitting on? Why not make something like that? You have a shit ton of money now. Spend it on what people want. Right. No one wanted this, and yeah. I think it shows now. Like, 
interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of good points. It's, it's cheap, easy to get into. You can spend a few extra dollars, up to 60 if you really want to, and probably get a nice layout of cards that you can switch out and make different decks with. But again, I think, Blizzard I think, does it I better. I think what they were trying to do with this one is they were trying to basically recreate the Dota uh, formula where Dota is in its own niche in that you have, you have like Dota was the first MOBA. Like that was the first one that existed. It was a mod. They acquired the property, made it into a game, and then that became a genre. So Valve made that a genre mm-hmm. um, by picking up a property and then they put money into it to make it what it, what it became, which is now one of the biggest industries in existence or one of the biggest genres in existence. So you have... Dota, which on the scales of challenge in Dota and like the MOBA space, Dota is by far the hardest game. And then you had games like Heroes of the Storm made by Blizzard that was like, let's make a more accessible version of that, a lot easier to get into. You've seen what happened with that one. They're starting to slow down on that. Then you have games like League of Legends, which got to be the biggest because there was a nice medium point of that. So like with this game, my thought process behind why they made this was that there wasn't a hyper super challenging deep systems based card game and they thought they could recreate what they did with dota with the card game world and they failed at it because it's too too late basically because yeah. hearthstone's got a huge audience like right. when dota was created they, they created that genre in this right. case the genre already exists and there's it's just it's a flooded market and then so I think that's where they kind but of they just, but, faltered. But this is their own product, IP, right? Like they just literally Artifact started. Is, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it, it makes sense if you acquire a game and then put a shit ton of money into it to make it better. But for them to make just make this, it's like, are they following trends? Is, well, that, they what's, are, is that what's totally. happening right now? Yeah, and like I said, I think they're trying to recreate a Dota in the but card like, game space. Then why, I mean, obviously you make a product and you hope to make a return on it, right? To some yeah. degree. But it's just like, why make this? Why not make a product you know is going to sell? Half-Life 3 or Left 4 Dead or a game of like that or, or uh, uh, shit, what was the one? The, the the one that's like Overwatch they have? Why is it? Um, Team Fortress. Team Fortress. Or like do something like that. Bring that back in a big way. Well, I, th- I think it a lot doesn't of make those sense is it's a, it's a strong, I mean, and looking like here, like looking back on it, clearly this is a this was a risky move for them and they failed at it. But I think in hindsight or like when they started this project, it probably was not a risky move because you've seen the success of card games. They know how to make a successful game. They know how this competitive kind of atmosphere works. So they were like, let's make a Dota equivalent in this space and see how it produces. Whereas if you made a Left 4 Dead 3 or if you made a Half-Life 3 or a Portal 3 or a Team Fortress 3, all those games, like no matter how like, the risk actually for those is even higher because it's going to cost a lot more money because the standards, you've already set a standard for that and it's so freaking high. And with this, like them entering this space, like there isn't really a, as high of a standard here because it's, I mean, it's a card game. Like how much you make deeper systems and mechanics, but ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, it's a, it's a digital card game that you're playing. So yeah. there isn't a preset standard there. I mean, you got Hearthstone, but in their case, they're trying to fit that mold of, let's find a game that's got more systems that you have to follow, which there's an audience out there for that. Right. But the audience just didn't latch into it because it's, there's other things that like everybody's in battle Royale now. I think the timing was just off for them. Yeah. And yeah. They, have they brought this out like yeah. two years ago 
it may have had a better chance. But right. now you have Thronebreaker and you have, you know, Hearthstone and you have Magic the Gathering's got its own arena, uh, MTG Arena card game. Like everybody's got a card game out. So it's kind of like, you know, nowadays with Battle Royale and in the space, which we'll talk about later, like Battle Royale, like it's hard for people to enter the Battle Royale space now because there's so much of it out there. Right. Like I'd be scared shitless to do that now. Again, yeah. So I mean, again, no one has a Left 4 Dead and no one has a Half Life. You make those, I think you're gonna make money. Oh yeah, I mean you would. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's gonna be. I mean you yeah. ha- you're gonna have to reinvent them at this point. It's been too long. Yeah. Um. Cool. Maybe good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, it's it's. Tough. I mean, I under, I totally agree with all your points. Yeah. It's just in my mind, it just still doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're following a trend, I mean. I guess at this point we've seen how beaten that horse has been for all the trends that have been followed the past five yeah. years. So yeah, I don't know. They really should make a Half Life Three or Left for Dead, and I think they still could do it. I just think they're afraid to do it because they're afraid of if they do it wrong or if they miss that beat, they're fucked. Like they they can't make another three ever again. Well, the same that we it's burned that they've been new and love is I don't think exists anymore. Yeah. So or the Valve. And they, they'd have to update their engine like hardcore. Well, I don't know. I mean, F, Apex is built on an old source engine. Yeah. That's pretty badass. <laughs> a lot of games are built on a source engine still. And they're, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, for me, it's one of the most flexible game engines that's ever existed. That's awesome. Yeah. I just I mean, know source from like, you know, uh, CSGO or, right. or uh, Half-Life. So yeah. anyway. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of games are made on that. Um, Games that nobody ever even realized were made using it. So it's mind blown. It's insane. But all right. Awesome. Well, good discussions. We are going to take a break. Um, but if you want to watch these in video format, any of these videos that come out, not all of them do, but some of them will, go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe to get the videos as they come out. Stay tuned for our discussion topic where we talk about more Battle Royale. Basically, this is going to be a conversation surrounding the changing face of Battle Royale post-Apex Legends. So where are things going to be happening? There's a lot of new news coming out around Battle Royale. Um, Bigger, heavy hitters are getting into the space, so that's what we're going to chat about. So we'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Hello and welcome back, everybody. This is our discussion topic. Each week, we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry. This week, we're going to talk about the changing face of Battle Royale post-Apex Legends. We've talked about the future of Battle Royale on a previous podcast, but this time, there's a lot of stuff that's just happened. As of last week, Apex Legends has reached 50 million active players in the first month. That is faster than Fortnite. It took Fortnite more than four months to reach 50 million players. Apex Legends did it in a month. So that's insane. That's a lot of people. In that time, players have had 158 million finishers, 1.23 billion ultimates, 331 billion pings placed, and respawned 170 million times for a genre that has never had respawn in it up until now. That is Awesome. I have to say, I forget those finishers. I just go up to somebody and kill them. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Like I've never. Oh, even... you just go up to them and then it gives you the option. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like little things that I'm just not used to at this point. Still. Yeah. yeah. I've been playing quite a bit. I'm like right. level. I'm almost level sixty. I think. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, Josh is like almost level ninety. Probably over level ninety. Well, now he's platinum. Oh my god. Because he started off as copper, right? And then once you get to forty, you go silver, and I think once you get to sixty, you go gold. My and then gosh. from that, I think it's platinum. And then I guess purple probably is the next one after that. 
Wow. Yeah. Or yeah. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's insane. Yep. I know. So anyway, <laughs> side note. So yeah, there you have it. So they reached 50 million players. So we were thinking, let's talk a little bit about like what's been changing after that. So, you know, Apex came out. This is a game by Respawn Entertainment. It's published by EA. And then uh, just last week, actually, also at the same time, and this is interesting because I wonder if it was almost planned, but it, I don't know if it was, but a leaked Battlefield 5 Firestorm trailer comes out. So those of you that may not realize yeah, leaked. this. Leaked. Leaked, yes. Uh, Battlefield 5 came out back in uh, November of last year, and in it they said that they're going to have like this content calendar of drops. So they have the Tides of War, which is like every quarter or every month or whatever, there's like different content that comes out that you can unlock and get that like tells stories and new things come along. And then in March, they're going to announce Firestorm, which is their Battle Royale mode that's going to be a part of the Battlefield 5 game. So you don't have to pay anything extra for it. You just get it as part of the game. So a trailer was leaked. It's basically a tutorial trailer about what it is. And I think it looks pretty awesome. It's 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 uh it's different enough because I was worried when Apex came out, like, how is this going to fare? But this is this Battlefield 5 Firestorm looks more akin to like a PUBG in a way to mm -hmm. me, whereas Apex is like an Overwatch of shooters, kind of. You know, it's not, but it's like less tactical, more reliant on like these other. I mean, they're still tactical, I guess, but this is this yeah, uh, yeah. Battlefield 5 is more realistic. And then yeah, I don't the, have. Yeah. You don't have, um, you know, abilities or anything. And I, I like how in Battlefield 5, when they were saying that there is no classes, you're just the person, and then you get stuff along the way. Well, uh, how we were thinking it might be a class-based Battle Royale where you have to have four people, but no, it's not like that at all. No, yeah, because they'll so, have solos, duos, and uh, squads. Right. And uh, the classes are just going to be, I think you're going to, I mean, I think it's going to be like the regular classes are in the, the game, which is interesting. They went that route, but they do have different tiers of leveling of your weapons. So they have your common, your rare, and your epic, like guns. Right. And then throughout the map, there you can pick up backpacks to store more stuff, and you have gadgets you can pick up, and all these different things. And there's vehicles. So they did <clears throat> add vehicles into it, which is which is interesting. So well, I'm curious how to, I'm curious about the placement of the weapons because if legendary or epic items are the only ones that have like sights and stuff. That kind of sucks because some of those guns are like I don't like using them unless I get a sight. And you know, That's being true. in PUBG yeah. or even Apex, you, know, you can get different sights for your guns pretty easily if you wanted right. to. So yeah, I'll curious to know how that works out. If you can like swap them out, you mean and stuff like that. Well, it's like if I, I it doesn't sound like there's gonna be attachments on the ground. It's just gonna be guns, and then you're lucky if you get that gun that's epic. Yeah, it's gonna have that attachment on it. Yeah, that you enjoy. Right. So it'd be curious. Yeah, I'm. I'm but I'm I guess not sure that how fits, they're gonna roll that. It fits the time and place that it's being set in. So, um, but it looks really interesting. Like I'm, I'm very intrigued by, they showed the fire, uh, the firewall and it's literally a circle, but it's just made of fire. So it destroys everything in its path as you go through. So my assumption is if you're outside of the circle, chances are you're going to like burn really fast and you probably are going to have to be stuck inside of the circle. Um, whereas in the other games, like if you're outside of the circle, like, you know, you're likely to survive a little bit for a while. But in this one, it looks like you're probably going to die out pretty quickly. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. And they show the map. That'd be, I, I would like that yeah. if the circle moves in quicker. So that makes for quicker games. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. 
So yeah, that I think that's how it it could bounce out pretty pretty good because PUBG has that problem. So does Fortnite. Like the yeah. games just take way too long, especially if you die early on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like let's just get this over with so I can go somewhere else and play again. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know if they're gonna have different maps too because it looks like they showed somewhere that's like heavily focused in the snow. But then it almost looks like it's part snow, part grasslands. So I wonder if there's going to be like a single map or if they're going to have multiple at launch that you can play based on the maps that are in that game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. if this is like a completely yeah. independent, customly custom design map. Because I think this game mode it was made custom. by Criterion or another studio Crytek? put this together. Not Crytek. No, Criterion. Yeah, yeah. The ones that did a Burnout. It like looks that. like a custom map because they show like a small zoom in and like where a circle is on the map and I can't recognize the map. Yeah. Well, I just mean like the, the visual aesthetic of it. Like the map is definitely different. Okay. But yeah, I just yeah. mean like the, the design oh, the and assets the, art, and the stuff? assets and stuff oh, like no. that. I, I mean, they have all, I don't see that like being same the same setting basically. I, I don't see that being different. It's yep. probably just going to use normal assets, but it's interesting. It is. It is. So those are the two games that are coming out. Um, from EA. So EA's like actually hit him pretty hard with the battle Royale this year. We did not expect that to happen, but it did. Um, so we'll see how much of a market share that they can gain from that. But <laughs> there's still, uh, the players of old that are trying to stay strong in this space with a uh, PUBG also came out last week and said that they're giving a fresh coat of paint to all of their maps or remastering all of their maps already, which is kind of weird to say that they're doing a remaster. Like, two years after the original map released. Yeah. um, Ultimately they're, uh, they're working on new ways to balance loot and otherwise improve their maps. Erangel being first, uh, the addition of compounds is just one way we're testing internally, but it's certainly not the only way. Um, the exact details concerning these possible changes in plan tests will be revealed in the coming weeks. Um, so basically they're going to have different loot drop, loot drop rates change, um, and then the layout's going to be like remastered entirely. So it's going to be a different experience um, throughout the map. So there was a leak online. If you go to GameSpot, if you search for this, you can see uh, additional compounds added onto the uh, test server for Erangel or Erangel or, or whatever it is. So there's, there's different things on there that you can go visit and navigate through. So that's kind of interesting. So I guess there's going to be just more smaller places and locations that you can travel to and explore. So we'll see what that does for the game. If it helps it or hurts it, I don't really know, but it's interesting that they're, they're trying, they're trying to stay, stay relevant. And I, I feel like PUBG at this point is just good struggling because it still feels like a mod. And yeah, that's well, now you have the triple a games in the space that are like really putting out quality products. Looking at VG247, this is one of the headlines. Despite being a decline for nearly a year, PUBG, or being on the decline for nearly a year, PUBG still brought in over $1 billion in revenue. So, obviously, Battle Royale is a booming franchise, right? Or a booming genre. And even PUBG is bringing in lots of money. That's great. I'm, I'm glad they're still working on trying to make this game better. Obviously, there are a lot of issues that still plague just playing the game on a daily and them having all this money, you think things would move along a lot faster. Yeah. Now maybe they pull the destiny and they have a really shitty engine and it just takes fucking forever to get something finished or well, yeah, they definitely do. It's, it's pretty and, bad. Um, pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. So again, I mean, 
it's great. But they've been making this money since day one. I think they made like almost a almost uh, three quarters of a billion dollars or a million dollars. No, yeah, a billion dollars in the first year it came out. Oh, like, I say shitty engine. It's actually an Unreal Engine. I forgot about that. So it just it's ma- just poorly optimized. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense why it would be like this still. Now, that might be a testament to who's in charge of running the show and making it all happen because uh, Player Unknown at this point is so wealthy that why even care about this game when you can just walk away and live happily the rest of your life? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's always something that uh, one of our guys on our Discord server said. It's like, why why should he do that still? Yeah, you, you were really into it at the time, but after you got all this money, why not just go off and live your life the way you want to? You know what I mean? Anyway, that's kind of just a side note, but thank God for Apex coming in and really showing us what a good game can be shaking things up, really shaking it up. And then what, where does that leave again? Yeah. Our main question is like, where does that leave battlefield five? And I think maybe they can be the PUBG that is, you know, smooth, quick, and less of a hassle to deal with on daily. And maybe that bring people back in the battlefield five. And now I'm curious to know what their loot crate microtransaction thing is going to be because yeah. they already have that you can already get points or like earn points through playing battlefield five on the daily and then and or buy you know their kind of their currency to unlock things so i'm curious to see how this will help them now for the next year to come right and it might it might bring the stock back up as people are seeing that i mean obviously apex is turning the ship around into a positive, lucrative uh, spotlight for EA. So that might change a lot. And it has changed a lot. Right. And it could continue to do that if Battlefield Five Firestorm is actually really good. Now, I think it's already shot itself in the foot quite, quite a bit because of all the things that have happened before even release. So we'll see. I don't think it's going to be enough to bring a lot of people who are not... who basically not buying it to protest it back into the fray, but I think it could be very positive for EA. I don't, maybe they're starting to see the errors of the way. Maybe they're like, you know what? Y'all just make these things. We're going to stand back and, and maybe we'll get actually some good products for once, even with all the microtransactions tacked onto it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to like, you know, change the game like Apex has done, but I definitely think it's going to be that game that's going to replace. It's going to it's going to fill a void that PUBG has kind of lost foothold of, and then that some of these other like attempts at battle royale are trying to get into and just aren't doing very well. I think this can be a good polished version of that that should right. do pretty okay, right. Um, right? But it's not going to be like Apex Legends, fifty million players in a month. Um, it'll not get there. But yeah. I'm, no, I'm I think hyped. that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> You're not. But I mean, it might, I mean, if it gets some good reviews, I think people will be like, okay, like this is actually a good product. It plays well. It's very balanced or as balanced as it can be. And it's not just a shit show like PUBG is or like, because we, I mean, there has been some time for healing between the controversies early on to now. And well, we don't even talk about Battlefield Five anymore. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. That's not even a hot topic. Well, like Blackout also kind of got forgotten, which that was like yeah. huge when it first came out. Right, right. They had vehicles and the vehicles were pretty well balanced. And now like, I mean, Fortnite has vehicles, but I don't consider it like a vehicle based game. But like this, this one's going to have vehicles in it. So it'll be interesting. Like this, there is a space for a battle royale with a vehicle, mm-hmm. vehicles inside of it. Right, I mean, right. I guess I forget PUBG had vehicles. I just think of that as like an on foot game, but that had vehicles <laughs> right, too. Right. So I guess PUBG, I mean, Apex is kind of like the out, out, outcast in that situation because they don't have vehicles, but they'll have helicopters eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Well, okay. I just want, I just want them to bring the mechs back. And then we'll be able to like call in a mech and just like Titanfall. That probably have to be like a different map with uh, different. It's gonna have to be a That's different what mode. I want. Different a freaking hundred player battle royale mech. That would be cool. Mech battles. That like would be you cool. You just walk and just like step over buildings and they just like fall apart. And then you're fighting each other in these massive ass mech suits. Oh man, great. Well, can you imagine like? Um, well, because, you know, in the actual game, you can get out of your mech and stuff and run around and things like that. So it would be interesting to see, like, how that would play out. If you can get out of your mech as well and run around and, like, fight the person, like, hand-to-hand, con- well, not hand-to-hand, well, but, like, person-to-person with yeah. your mechs fighting each other, like, that would be, be cool. cool too. But, like, Titanfall as itself, as a concept, was pretty awesome because, I mean, you could be sitting there, if you're doing a battle royale, you could be sitting there fighting each other with these massive mechs and you're just like, shit, I'm just going to take this guy out. And so, like pop up out as your pilot up out of the mech, fly on the air, drop on top of him, rip his, his uh, motor out and right. then he gets pulled out. Like that could be make for some really cool combat situations. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, but I think you have to change it up. It has, it can't, I don't know if it can just be battle royale. I think there has to be like an objective involved. Like, Hey, go in this thing, see who can get the most, whatever, or like if you got to recharge your battery shield, like you guys both have to get out and go to this area that is confined that the mechs can't see technically yeah. and pull out, you know, say it's more energy to power your mech. Something like that to yeah. like give it more of a reason why you have to get out and do something. Yeah. Instead of just like, oh yeah, fight each other. Because no I don't think anyone would get out of their mech, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess if it blows up and then you can call it back down in like a certain amount of time. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, I mean that's how, that's how Timefall was set up. And you had... There was a benefit to being a pilot in the world of mechs because mechs were slow and you were very mobile as a pilot. You mm. could jump around, like wall run and like jump up on top of these guys and you could right, take down right, a mech yeah. pretty easily. It was pretty balanced. Unless there's like five mechs right there, then you're kind of fucked. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, like you could do a pretty good job, do some damage to them. But That's right. anyway, I we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But the last thing I want to talk about in this conversation of post apex life here is a. Uh, Really interesting. Uh, Game Informer has come out and reported that the Dark Souls director, Hidetaki Miyazaki, is actually interested in a battle royale game. He would like to make one. And this is this come this is where you know that Battle Royale is here to stay and has a foothold when you have somebody who makes the Dark Souls franchise, Bloodborne, single player focus, very powerful, heavy combat based hard games is fascinating at battle royale and said quote these games are definitely fun and we're interested in the patterns they are taking if we did it it might be a bit different but we're definitely interested and there's definitely that possibility in the future we'd love to take a crack at them someday um so he's just known for his single player stuff but that's interesting that he even wants to get get into this game oh yeah so if he's interested there's it's not he's not going in it for the money he's going in it for I mean, like his games aren't about making the money; they're about making 
hard as shit games that right. really challenge the player and stuff like that. So I'd be curious. Well, that would be I mean, what, what would awesome. he produce? Like, would you be a Dark Souls character where you like sword and sword and shield kind of thing? I can see that. Around yeah. And, yeah. Maybe not as dark as Dark Souls, like the world and tone and stuff, but I can definitely see very combat heavy, very strategic. Like you probably have the fast guy that doesn't do a lot of damage and you have the slow guy that does a lot of damage. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Well, I'm curious if it would like, because I mean, Battle Royale, like everything in Battle Royale is guns. Right. And shooting and stuff like that. Would they go with the, like a melee focus thing? I mean, you got some games that are trying to play into that, like that one we were talking about, the spell break or whatever. That's doing like magic based kind of battle mm-hmm. royale. I'm curious to see if this will go the route of let's strip out all the weaponry and make it to where like you're basically like you could be a spellcaster or you're doing melee combat and that's it in That'd a battle cool. royale game. Well, just a medieval one in general. You know, pick up different weapons, obviously, they do different damage. You pick up different bows, they do different damage. You can pick up bombs. You can pick up, you know, the Estus flasks, just as an example, using Dark Souls and stuff, like holding all that stuff in your inventory yeah. and running around maybe a castle i don't know you know what i mean but it'd be you know it's something that you could have i mean you wouldn't be as scared to be wandering around across <laughs> the middle of a walkway you just you're a middle of like a field or whatever you'd be looking in the distance you're like oh there's five guys right let's go engage them as opposed to you know you chase them down kind of like when they had that game mode for uh that they released short term for PUBG when you were in the uh Miramar map and they had it where it was shotguns only and so you basically had to get up and close to personal to your your foes um that really changed the gameplay style and I actually like enjoy the heck out of that game mode because right yeah you had to get up and close up close and personal so i was less afraid to like approach enemies right and uh so whereas most of the time i would avoid combat in this case i was like going towards where the combat was um so i think that would be an interesting take on something that oh, would yeah. totally oh, yeah. reinvent the, the 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 battle royale franchise right i think there are some things that are here to stay now like respawning oh yeah <laughs> like that yeah. is a big one yeah uh, especially now that freaking uh, <laughs> even fortnite's like oh yeah, we might put it back in here right we might <laughs> we yeah we were thinking about it for days or years forever it was always going to be in fortnite <laughs> well and it's interesting too like how they're gonna I mean, yeah, you want to keep people in a game like it sucks. Just like you go in there, your squad dies. You have a whole entire squad that drops out. Right. How can you keep them engaged longer in that same game? Because right. that's less effect on the servers. You know, you don't have people dropping in and dropping out. Makes for a better experience overall. So I'm glad that they introduced that kind of mechanic. I'm trying to think what else they could do that needs like what what else in Battle Royale right now? It's the pacing of the game. Fix. Yeah, I think so too. Like yeah, PUBG, even Apex is, is still slow. Oh my gosh, you, that's one thing that made me. I, I don't. Uh, it can be. It can be depending on how you drop, where you drop, who yeah. you run into. But I think well, for the most part, it's moments, nice. There's like a lull. Where there are like a few the beginning, lulls. It's pretty. It, it can be quick, and then you kind of hit a little point where, like, you. Right. I mean, unless you like go towards where the like you know exactly like there's gonna be a lot of people here. Let's just go there. Right. Right. If you're just like wandering around, looting from like place to place, and it's going on a path. I've I've had some moments where for like the second circle it's kind of slower and mm. the third circle then the action picks up so it's a lot less than like PUBG where right. basically the first like ten minutes of that well take that back thirty minutes of the game is really long and then the last yes. like five minutes just run you around just die yeah exactly well when I was saying pacing it's like you can get in the battle pretty quick if you want to right like you can get in a balloon go to another location. That's true. Yeah. If anybody's there, I mean, you can go straight to battle, you know? It's not like, exactly like PUBG where you're walking around for 30 minutes, 
just looting stuff and you don't find anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Until, and then at the very end you get popped in the head once or twice and that's it. You're done. Right. It's like, shit, I just spent 30 minutes doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and they can do fix that. I mean, that's the one thing with battlefield five is that now like they haven't, they don't have a respawn. Once you're dead, you're dead. So that's fine. Like I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. It'll work out probably, but then implementing that into something that Miyazaki wants to do. Do you think Blizzard will ever enter this space? They might. If Activision's at the reins, at the helm, they just might do it. Yeah. I can see that happening. That'd be interesting. Or like, what if like Destiny did something with that? See, I think that'd work for Destiny. Yeah. I think it would would, would work. Mechanics would would work work well. Right. But... It's just, Again, I don't, don't know. Want everybody jumping on that. I know. Again. That's just, everyone's trying to do it right now. I mean, there's a lot of like smaller games, like like the spell, like the spell casting Battle Royale or Hell Dive or uh, um, what's the Divers one? Like Spell Break or Spell Bounce. What, what was the other one? Hell, Storm not, Divers. Hell, Storm Divers. Like th- these like little known Battle Royale games coming out that I don't think are going to survive now. Like Apex has really changed the game where AAA titles can really bring it home. Yeah. And make it big. So you no, know, since you with this, like the battle royale genre right now is kind of like how virtual reality was when it first came out, where everybody's things are moving so fast that it's hard to keep up. <clears throat> mm-hmm. There's all these new ideas that keep coming left and right, and like right. with Apex, they just like completely brought all these new mechanics that nobody ever thought of before. And it's like, okay, well, shit, all these people have been making these games that are built off of these other already released games. Right now, they're like, well, those are great ideas. Now we got to rebuild like a whole piece of our game because we have to respond to that <laughs> because that's a great idea. And if uh, we didn't have it, we'd be missing out. Thank God for a free market where everything just gets better and better. Everyone has oh, to compete man. against each other, it's which crazy. sucks because eventually everyone's going to peter out of this battle royale phase. Like, just, like eventually it's going to be too much battle royale. Or it's just going to become the next F- first-person shooter genre. We'll see. Or RPG. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how long I can stick with it. I, I say right now, I put in quite a bit of hours to Apex, and I kind of just want to take a break. Like, I was getting into the yeah, Division. Yeah, I play too much of it. I do. I do. I was getting into the Division, and I really want to play that now because it's more of a slower-paced game to the degree, and I mean, you still got, like, all the dailies you can do and things you can complete and things to see and do and interesting world, and it's just... I want a different experience. Yeah. I don't know. Side well, note. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. So that's going to wrap it up, I think, for our discussion topic on Battle Royale post Apex. If you have any thoughts, like what do you think is missing from Battle Royale? Where do you think it's going in the future? Do you Can you think of any studios or like game franchises that could come out and like really change kind of the way this all functions? I think, you know, if they took Ghost Recon Wildlands, and took that friend, that property mm. and making it a battle royale. That would have been pretty cool. That would be cool. That would have been a little bit different than yeah. like what they did. Right. But I don't know. Stop we'll giving see. people ideas. We don't need any more battle royales. <laughs> I know. Let's just, let's just take everything. I want to see a battle royale racing game. They have not my car, but I want to see like Forza <laughs> Battle Royale. Okay. Where okay. you don't like fight each other. You just race. You just like drive cars around and then, <laughs> or actually Destruction Derby. That'd be sick. Mm. Mm. I would love a Destruction Derby battle royale where you like just... Let's see how fast we can run into each other and just blow each other up. <laughs> and then you respawn by, I don't know, dropping in. I don't We're know. done with this conversation. Anyway, so if you all have questions or you want to contribute to next week's segment, visit theinnergamer.net, drop us a line. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to 
to next week. Let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We have two games that are going to be coming out on March 14th. We have a game called Rico for the PC, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. This is a game in which two cops, one case, and only 24 hours are available to bust the bad guys, become a loose cannon police detective, and face off with criminal gangs in this procedurally generated action movie first-person shooter. Join forces with a friend and take down these crooks buddy cop style. This is like good cop, bad cop, or like good cop, good cop, or bad cop, bad cop, where you and your buddy go in there, and it's got a Borderlands art style. Oh. So it's got that kind of like, you know, black line illustration style. Okay. And you're basically like, working together to pull out an action movie, first-person shooter, like, cooperative, like, objective-based thing. But I guess it's procedurally generated, and it looks pretty cool. That's interesting. And I'm just kind of intrigued by this game and may want to get it. We'll see. Um, Also on the 15th, March 15th, we have for Ubisoft, The Division 2, PS4, Xbox, and PC. Washington, D.C. is on the brink of collapse. Lawlessness and instability threaten our society, and rumors of a coup in the capital are only amplifying the chaos. All active division agents are desperately needed to save the city before it's too late. We talked about this last week on episode 209, so if you want to hear our impressions of the beta, go listen to theinnergamer.net slash 209. Otherwise, stay tuned because we will definitely be getting this game and playing it and talking about it on the podcast. Surprising. I know. Surprising. I hated, I hated the first one. But yes. I actually like the second one. Awesome, like the second one. So, might put with, a lot of time into that. With that, that's going to wrap up our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit theinnergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on, on uh, Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And don't forget to come to our event on March 21st, where we will be in Fort Worth at Hot Fusion with the Friend and Foe Board Game Cafe, playing some board games, playing some video games and uh, hanging out. So check us out on our Facebook page to learn more about that event. Yes. And you can also go to thenegamer.net and donate to our show by clicking the donate button because without your support, we cannot continue to bringing continue to keep bringing you all this great content on the podcast, on the videos, and our events that we have at least twice a month. You can also join us on our Discord channel by going over to the link in our show notes and finding our conversations we have on there. And with that, my name is Austin Morales. My name is Brady Noski. And you've listened to Inner Gamer, guys. We'll catch you next week. Flip, flip, flippity, flip, 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 floppity, flop, 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 flip, flop, flop. Yeah, you're flopping on the floor, flipping and flopping in like a fish. Yep. Go ahead. Keep going. No, you're fine. I want to hear more. Go. So this week on the Ender Gamer Podcast. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. It's a listening 
enjoyment for your ears. Three, two, one, go. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Am go. I recording audio? Am I recording audio? Do I see levels? Oh. I see bars rising up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Up and down? Yes. All right. Three, two, one. On the road again. We just happen to be on the road again. Not really, because Brett needs to be on the road. Oh, God. Dude, just break your shit, why don't you? Break our table, It's my too. shit, and I'll break what I want. Damn it. Broke all the shit.